Hey, miserable bitches. Hi. We are back with another episode of Misery Manor. My name is Cody. My name is Emily. And before we get started, make sure you leave your manners at the door. Hey guys! Hi! We're back! We're back! We're back! And I know this is kind of weird because we were doing them on Tuesdays, but lately we've been releasing them on Thursdays. But it's Work just. schedules changed. And so. it's the 4th of July, and then I was sick. Cody had COVID. I had a foot injury, then I had <laughs> fucking COVID. Like, really? Ever since I turned 30, Mother Nature was like, you take this, you take this, like, and I've been mortal combating it, like, hiya, like, don't fuck with me, and, it's, well, she's still getting me together over here. I can't, I have, like, one of those rolls that just won't go away, no matter what I do. What do you mean? Like a fat roll? Yeah. Well, you need to cycle some more. I did, and you know what? I did have my milkshake after you told me not to. <laughs> well, there's the roll from, um, but I did want to say to everybody, thank you so much. First of all, at the end of our um, episode last week, we asked a bunch of you, like while you had your phone out listening to this, to go ahead and give us a five-star review. Um, and we've seen them come in like crazy. So we really, really, really appreciate it. Not only because it makes us feel good, but it helps us with the algorithm, with Apple Podcasts and Spotify, kind of like move up in the charts to, you know, for other people to be able to come across us. So... If you're looking at your phone right now, please take two seconds right now to pull up the app and just click those five stars. And if you have anything lower, forget I said that. <laughs> but if you're listening, you obviously like something about us. But and if you're one of those people that likes to go through your boyfriend or your girlfriend's phone, do that, subscribe, and then rate us from their phone. <laughs> Whoa, we're getting creative. And then if you go to the Verizon store when you're looking for a new phone, go ahead and take all those... Uh, phones that you see on display and do it there too okay. no i'm just kidding we want it to be authentic and real but um we no, do we appreciate the the ratings and it helps us and it makes us feel good and um obviously we're only on episode 38 this time so and 39 we, or 39 yes 39 so we're growing and we are finding what works and what doesn't so i i, I don't work yeah she sits here but i guarantee you by episode 60 we'll look back on 40 and be like, whoa, like, what was I thinking there? And I've done that. Like, our first 10 episodes, <laughs> mm. uh, those were sponsored by cocktails, honey. <laughs> so <laughs> we put those down. And um, so, yeah, I'm just excited to be able to grow and learn. So if you have any stories that you want me to cover or if you have any feedback, email us at miserymannerpodcast.com. And I would be happy. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Or you can go to miserymannerpodcast.com. And look at our merch. But anyways. Can I just point out to everyone, I have a deviated septum. So I breathe. Loud. Loudly. And when she breathes loud while I'm recording, I point to my nose and she knows. Breathe out that fucking mouth for about the next hour. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just constantly being berated, everyone. She's like blue in the face. I can't breathe. (laughs) But just, yeah, just breathe. Okay. So, (laughs) I'm kidding, girl. Don't die over there. All right. So, I am going to start on this case. I'm really excited about this. What? Thank you to everyone who ordered merch. Thank you. Because I got some of mine in, and I, like, like we tried different fabrics this time. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. It turned out great. So, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our new Patreons as well. Um, So, like I said, this case... So, actually last case of Kristen Smart was not very like me. You know, I'm usually Mm -hmm. like doing like the gore, but I had so much fun doing that case because there were so many different ins and outs and like different clues here and there. So I brought a case for today that's kind of around there, but it's not a missing persons case. It has those elements to it. But it has those elements because as I'm researching this, there's so many different clues that come out that you're like, oh, we got the person. And then 
it takes a left turn and you're like, well, shit, like, who could it be? So this oh. one takes you on a diff- a lot of different roller coasters. Um, I'm going to be talking and you're going to be like, oh my God, you know, that's who it is. And it turns out not I to be that, that way. I hate that because sometimes like those people's lives are like ruined. I know. And there's, yeah, it, this is crazy. So I'm going to begin. Now, someone does get murdered. This isn't an unsolved case. Someone does get murdered, but this person is missing for quite some time before it's solved, okay? So, before I get into the case, I'm going to take you back, okay? okay. So, the wind is cool. The oh weather is God. nice outside. There's leaves on the ground. There's pumpkins. There's jack-o'-lanterns. There's haunted houses all throughout the city. So, while trick-or-treaters are roaming the streets... You're getting ready for a party, but not just any party, the ultimate Halloween party. Wait, what would you dress up as? And you and your girlfriends are all going together and you're getting dressed up in your matching costumes to attend, quote, the Halloween party of the year. Well, yeah, because it's only one Halloween in a year. But of the year. There's probably multiple parties, but this is the party to attend. Um... So this is going to be the case of Chelsea Brooke, and she went missing at a Halloween party in 2014 in Monroe County, Michigan. So let's talk about our victim first. So Chelsea grew up in a town called Maybe. (laughs) Not yes, not no, Maybe. So she grew up in a town called Maybe, and it was actually nicknamed the best little town in Michigan. So it's this super tiny town consisting of only about 600 residents. Everyone in this community is super tight because they all know each other. There's a shit ton of farms that are all like acres and acres apart. But again, everyone knows each other. And there's like generations of family that have grown up in this town and have stayed there. So like your grandmas live there, your grandpas, your aunt, your uncles, everybody lives there. Farm town? Farm town. Old Farm money. town. Mm-hmm. So... All the farms in this area produced uh, mainly corn and soybeans. So I hope you have like this cute little visual in your head, right? So Chelsea was the youngest of five kids, and she was the only child still living at home. So she was described by those who knew her as super nice, super friendly, and just very wholesome. She was like a sweet little country girl. She was always smiling, and she was always in good spirits. She was loved and adored by many people in this city, And she was not currently attending school, but she had big plans to attend Monroe Community College and earn a culinary degree. Oh, love that. So Chelsea and her really good friend Becky Brinson worked together at a restaurant in Monroe County called Olga's Chicken. I mean, (laughs) Olga's Kitchen. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Olga's Kitchen. And, sorry, I was thinking in my head, I bet they have really good, like, chicken fried steak. (laughs) And it came out as Olga's Chicken. Oh, that does sound good. So, Olga's Kitchen, okay? So, the two of them were super psyched because they were going to be going to this huge Halloween party, obviously, on October 25th, 2014. (gasps) That's my birthday. October 25th? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the 24th. I'm sorry. Um, On October 25th, 2014, which was a Saturday. So this Halloween party was called Big Mike's Halloween Bash. So this party was huge. And I mean, like, huge. Everyone knew about it. Everybody was going to be there. It was talked about from people even in, like, the bordering states. Um, Now, I keep saying Big Mike. His actual name is Mike Williams, but everybody knew him as Big Mike. And when I upload a photo of him, he is Big Mike, okay? Uh, (laughs) So I'm just going to refer to him as Big Mike. So he was like a super like heavy metal dude um, and he fit the image perfectly. He had a big long beard, he had tattoos, and he was actually part of a metal band called the Pickaxe Preachers. (laughs) Do you think he had a milkshake roll? He had plenty. (laughs) So Big Mike and his band were set to play at his big Halloween party along with some other bands. So he was super excited and could not wait to host this party. The party was going to be held at Big Mike's mother's huge farm that was on, like, acres and acres and acres of land. So there was tons of fields, and it had corn stalks as high as the people in attendance. So kind of like a corn maze, you know, like those corns that high. But they had, like, areas with, like, tents and stuff on it for the party. Dang. So it was, like, a crazy place to have a party. Um, And it was also good because, like, the cops knew Big Mike and his family. You know, they were like, you know, don't, you know. 
But I guess, like, it's different out in the country, too. Yeah, it's not well, they like, were like, don't set shit on fire, like, have fun, you know, like, yeah, but it's I mean, different it's in the not, country, you know yeah. everybody, right? Well, that, and, like, I guess, like, laws are different, you're not going to be disturbing. Right, and Big Mike's party was actually held, like, every single year, so they knew about it, and mm-hmm. it, every year it just grew and grew and grew, and it got to the point where he was actually hiring, like, security guards and cops to be there, so it was... Oh, uh, I mean, well, you're saying tents are being set up, so Right. was he, like, sponsored? I don't know. So, Becky and Chelsea decided that they were going to go as movie villains. So, Becky was going to be, like, a sexy Batman, and Chelsea was going to go as Poison Ivy. Mm -hmm. Batman's not a villain. Oh, well, she was a bat... She was Batman. Oh. Well, Poison (laughs) Ivy's from Batman. When I wrote that, I didn't even catch my mind. But, yeah, she was Batman, (laughs) and and Chelsea was Poison Ivy. So, she was stoked. She actually made the costume herself. Um, she sewed it for like weeks and weeks. It looked amazing. She was so proud of it. So basically she had a, a green leotard and she had glued like millions of plastic like ivy leaves all over uh-huh. it. And like um, ivy's coming off the shoulders. It looked really good. And she wore green leggings and added red Mary Jane style shoes from American Eagle. Because it would be cold. cold. Yes. And she topped it off with a purple wig. So the pictures are super cute. So at the party, Chelsea even carried around like a big old jug of wine and she had labeled it poison. That's cool. Um, which is like obviously amazing. And I want to note though, like the jug is huge in the photo, but like her friends say she didn't like just drink that jug of wine. Or well, the I mean, jug she, of wine. I guess they were probably sharing, but poison ivy also has red hair, not purple. Hers is purple. Um, so like I said, she wasn't fucked up at the party, but like people described her as tipsy and just having a, a great time. You know, she right. would take the occasional, uh, sh- shot and you know, yada, yada, but wasn't fucked up. Didn't drink the whole jug of wine. Like I would have. So it was, um, Chelsea, Becky and their friend Penny Watkins that showed up to the party together. When they got to the party, Big Mike had set up these, like I said, two huge tents for the party in the field to hang out in. Um, and he was expecting 300 people to show but word spread about this party and there was 800 people that showed up. So people were like, oh my God, are you going to Big Mike's party? Like, it was so fun last year. You should come. And like, word just carried out and out and out and close to 800 people showed up. Where I wonder where they were going to the bathroom. I don't know. Oh, they had porta-potties out there. Oh, they did? Yeah. So like I said, this party was legit. So eight heavy metal bands played. Um, This was like the small, like, Halloween Coachella like literally eight bands were ready to play so people drank they took pictures they listened to music partied it was a great time now sometime after midnight the bands all stopped playing and the party just resulted in people just hanging out around like a huge bonfire so while the three friends Becky Chelsea and Penny were walking over to the fire Chelsea happened to bump bump her nose on a wooden structure Um, so apparently she was like trying to duck under something and she didn't see it because it was so dark outside. So she hit like the bridge of her nose and she said it hurt, like they said it hurt her like so bad. She was in so much pain. She was like holding her nose for quite some time. And at that point, Chelsea was like ready to go. She was like, girls, can we please go? Like my fucking nose hurts. I'm over it. Um, and she had this pounding headache from it as well. However, Her friends were like, they weren't ready to go. They were like, oh, come on. Like, let's just stay a little bit longer. You know, the pain will go away. Just drink some more. Like, it'll be fine. So they ended up convincing Chelsea to stay. And she was like, all right, all right, you're right. Like, it only comes once a year. Like, let's just make the most of it. But they didn't stay much longer, though. They only stayed about an hour longer. Sometime around 1 a.m., they all decided to just call it a night. Okay. Penny had agreed to drive Chelsea home before the party, like they had already made plans of this, because Chelsea didn't have a driver's license. Not because she couldn't get one, she just didn't want one. She said she was perfectly fine on, like, relying for people on rides, or she would just walk. I mean, she was fine with it. So, she didn't have a driver's license. So... Unfortunately, they lost sight of each other, though, and Chelsea was walking around screaming, like, Becky, like, Penny, where are you? And she was asking people, like, hey, have you seen Becky? Have you seen Penny? Like, they're my right home. I need to find them. But if you remember, there's 800 people at this party, and it, unfortunately, like, nobody really knew each other yeah, at this party. Yeah, like a sea of strangers. Right, because, I mean, in a town of 600, you have more than the population at this party Oh, shit. Already. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you have more than the population at this party right now. So, these people did not know who Chelsea was. So, apparently, Penny's sister, who was there, um, had work the next morning. And mm-hmm. she was like, hey, you know, it's getting late. I have work tomorrow. We need to leave. We need to call it a night. So, Penny was like, you're right. Let's just leave. So, according to Penny, 
She figured that Chelsea knew a few other people at the party and wasn't concerned about leaving her because she figured she would just get a ride right. home with somebody else. Right. Um, I mean, there's so many people there. She was like, you know, she's in good hands. But it's 2014? Yeah. Cell phone? Yes. What? Where they... So I'm getting to that. Okay. So now you guys might be wondering, why didn't they just call each other cell phone and figure, you know, figure that out? It's 2014. Um, besides there not being a lot of service there because there's so many people and they're in this huge open field, Chelsea's phone was with Becky because Becky was holding it in her purse. Chelsea didn't have anywhere to put the cell phone in her Poison Ivy costume, so right. she asked Becky, like, hey, can you hold the phone for me? I do not have a pocket. Because um, remember, Chelsea's costume was just a leotard in the tights. Yeah. So at this point, somehow, Becky had lost Chelsea and Penny, too, Okay. So Penny's assuming that Becky is, or Chelsea's with Becky. Mm -hmm. And Becky had lost both of them and assumed that Chelsea was with Penny. So Penny was like, well, maybe she just left with Penny. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and this is all just like when you've been drinking, you're right. just kind of like, right. yeah, blah, blah. yeah. So Becky calls this the biggest regret of her life. So at this point, both of the friends that Chelsea showed up with are now gone from this party. It wasn't until later the next night that Chelsea's sister sent Becky a Facebook message telling her that Chelsea had not come home at all. So Becky was like, oh, really? Like, she must be at a friend's house. She didn't come home with me. Like, maybe she stayed the night somewhere. So the last known sighting of Chelsea was at 3 a.m. on October 26, 2014. Her mom, Leandra Bruck, made a missing persons report when Chelsea never came home. So Deputy Thomas Faber of Monroe County responded to the missing persons report. He was given her cell phone to contact her friends to see if they knew where her whereabouts were. And they, uh, so he called their friends and they ended up calling Big Mike, um, hoping to get some sort of answers. But they didn't personally know Big Mike, did no, they? No, but they were looking through her phone. No, she, she knew him. Chelsea and her friends knew who he oh, was. Because okay. he's from the town. Um, he was, They weren't friends, but she knew of him. Yeah. It's weird, though, that mom was able to file missing persons report that the Because usually it has to take, you take, it's like 48 hours. Well, yeah. And, like, she technically again, went missing at, what, town. like, 2 a.m.? Yeah. Because they saw her at 1 a.m. Technically, I mean, it's a small town. They're probably not working on that many cases. <laughs> so when they talked to Big Mike, he said that he was actually getting all kinds of texts, all types of Facebook messages um, asking if he had seen Chelsea or knew what had happened to her. Yeah. So Big Mike said that at first he didn't even know who Chelsea was. Oh. Um, he was like, wait, who? Who is that? Like, I know a Chelsea. I know several Chelsea's that were at the party. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I can't. It doesn't ring a bell. In his defense, there were so many people there. Okay. <laughs> so people who knew Chelsea were asking him, like, I know you say you don't know her, but can you please, like, take a walk through your fields, like, on the farm and just see if she's, like, passed out somewhere or something? And Michael's like, sure, yeah, like, I can totally do that. So he took his dog along with them. Mm -hmm. So Big Mike, he went a couple of miles out into the field um, and a couple miles a couple into their... Miles? miles? into his field. And a couple miles into the search, sadly, his dog caught his foot on a fox trap and hurt his paw and was like crying. So naturally he stopped search and carried his puppy back to the house to like fix him up. So Chelsea, when he gets there, Chelsea's mom was there and she was there apparently for quite some time. So Big Mike was like, hey, like you can stay here by all means, but I have to run my dog to the vet. Like he hurt himself on the search. So Chelsea's mom was like super appreciative. Her main concern was just finding her daughter or getting some sort of clue. That so, would be my mom. Right. So Big Mike rushed to the vet and Chelsea's mom continued to search for her daughter. When Big Mike got back, there was 15 people searching around his farm. And he was like, oh, wow, like this is serious. Because and he's thinking that maybe like she's at a friend's house and they're overreacting. But you know how moms can be. But when he gets back and there's 15 people, he's like, holy fuck. So he was like, at this point, I don't think they think she's just hurt. I think they think like something actually really bad happened. So Chelsea's oh. family was fully committed to the search so much. They had set up a tent and started setting up generators with porter potties on the farm to camp out overnight. Can I just tell you people I'm in events and setting up a tent is a bitch. So that is a serious thing. Yeah. Well, for their daughter, they, I'm sure they'll well, do Well, I know, but like hauling the big tent up yeah. there and cranking it up. And I don't know what kind of tent it was. It could have just been like a little like, I don't know. 
But um, they were like basically making the farm like their headquarters. They were going to find her. Well, so probably to stay warm too. Yeah. Big Mike at first said, he was like, I was shocked. They didn't even, they didn't even ask me to do this. I just came back to my farm and this was happening. But also at the same time, he said, he was like, I totally understand. They're worried about their loved one. Like yeah. whatever makes them feel better. So Big Mike was also a bit worried because you know what? The family started looking at him kind of funny. If you do know you, what I mean. Do you think it was because, like, well, he they has, weren't having success and they're well, just, They're like, just frantic and, like, trying to just get Naturally answers. just, yeah. like, well, maybe it was you because they can't find anything. Right. So, before things got out of hand, he went ahead and just got an attorney. Just, like, hey, I'm, I need you on standby just in case. And his, his attorney said, like, you don't have to let them stay there. You know that, right? Well, yeah, because it's also, even if he, he's probably thinking, like, okay, well... I know it's not me, but if something happened on my property, right, it he can, can be liable because oh, he had that party. Right. And he was like, you don't have to have them there, but like, it's totally up to you. So Big Mike decided to let them stay. He right. felt really bad for the family and the land was large enough. So he thought, you know, why not? So Monday evening comes, Chelsea's mom actually confronted Mike and accused him of having her somewhere. So she went up to him and was like, Mike, tell me the truth. I know you know what happened to her. Where is she? You're hiding her. And Big Mike was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? I have no idea where she is. Like, I'm letting you stay on here, ma'am. I don't know where she is. Like, I'm trying to help you, okay? So suspicion was placed totally on Mike. And he's thinking, so just because it's my party, it's my fault. There was 800 people here. Like, a million things could have happened. So the media started picking up the story on Wednesday after the party. And they started arriving to Mike's farm. Mike didn't realize this, and, like, I'm sure he's thinking, wow, I shouldn't have had this party at my poor mother's house. I know, that's what I'm like. How old is Big Mike? I think he's in his 20s. So, Chelsea was 22. I think he was around, like, 24. Oh, okay. So, that's, like, more. Yeah, and they don't live together. They just kind of all live on this big farm. So is common, right? Yeah. Chelsea's mother was unaware that her daughter attended this party to begin with. So, she said, quote, if I knew she was attending a party with over 800 people, she would have not been going. That's my mom. My mom would have been like, hell no. So the search party started branching out from the farm into the neighboring places and tons of volunteers were joining and Facebook groups were being made. I mean, hundreds and thousands of people were being involved. Okay. But how is that even legal when it's private property? A warrant. You can do that. I know, but they have a judge has to sign on that. I don't know. I didn't get that part. So there were missing posters. Um, The story was all up in the media. They were asking people to be on the lookout specifically for the poison ivy costume because that's what she was last seen in. So they described Chelsea as a five foot seven blonde girl, average built with an anchor tattoo behind her right ear. So people were looking high and low for her because remember, this is a small town. The community was like shook. There were vigils. There were tip lines and awards being made. They were, like, going balls to the wall to find her. So police tried to find the security guards hired at the party as suspects, but, like, and they just wanted to question them, but they didn't receive anything helpful from the information that they got from the security guards. So detectives Brian Sorka and Mike Pridemore were the main detectives on this case throughout the entire thing. They're going into, like, neighboring farms to conduct searches. But the biggest issue that they're running into was the fact that how did this even happen in the first place? They were like, how? She went missing from a place with 800 people all dressed in costumes. What went wrong? Why didn't somebody help her? Like, if she was in distress, why didn't somebody, like, reach a lending hand? Like, they were just going through so many questions in their head. So six people at the party talked to detectives, and they all give them some pretty great leads. They all said that they let Chelsea use their cell phone to make some phone calls and that she was looking and acting very frantic. One of the people she called was Penny. Penny confirmed she answered and Chelsea asked if she could like, please come get her. She was like, can you please come get me and bring me home? Like, I want to go home, please. Like, I'm stuck here. And Penny was like, yeah, I can't drive. Like, I'm super drunk. I've been drinking way too much. So she, she didn't go get her. Someone at the party later said they did see Chelsea alone in the dark and she was kneeled down and she was crying hysterically. Other times she was walking around and she was just crying and like looking a mess and she was very frantic. A guy there named Gavin Hewlett said that he let Chelsea use his phone at 1 a.m. and she was crying and she kept telling him like, oh my God, my friends left me at this party. I don't know what to do. 
And then sometime between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., a girl named Alexandria Fraunhofer said Chelsea also used her phone to try to contact her friends. People, like I said, reported seeing her crying, and Chelsea was just telling them that she was cold, and she was terribly sad and distraught that her friends had left her and she didn't have a ride home. And she's injured. And it's been two hours. Yeah, and she's drunk. So everything is kind of just stalling when it comes to leads at this point. But then a few days after the party, a woman calls detectives. Ring, ring, ring. And she said her son had saw Chelsea at 3.30 a.m. the night of the party. Okay? So to add, he was sure it was her because he said that they talked about her costume. He remembered talking about this, her, his very own allergy to poison ivy, and they kind of, like, laughed about it. At 3 a.m.? 3.30 a.m. But she's, like, distraught at this point. Yeah, but left. he, like, stumbled across her and was, like, talking to her. Okay. So, and he said that he remembers laughing about the poison ivy costume. They made some jokes. He said when he spoke to her, he, she was very tipsy and, like, slurring her words. Um, but there was, like, a man with her, and they seemed like they knew each other. So he was like, okay, well, she's in good hands. There's this man with her. So he said the man was, like, comforting her and speaking with her like they were friends. He was like, don't worry, Chelsea. You're going to be just fine. We're going to get you home. You're in good hands. Like, don't even worry. He did mention, though, that regardless of the comforting words, Chelsea was very frazzled. And she just kept saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. So he described this man with, um, with Chelsea as being tall, slender, swoopy, emo hair, and glasses. He was even able to give a great description of this dude. So like a sketch artist made a composite and it was released immediately. After the release of the photo, police got bombarded with phone calls and tips because a lot of people were claiming that they knew who this person might be. So after seeing the photo, Big Mike even contacted police because he said he knew the dude. He mentioned that a couple of the members of the bands that came from Milwaukee that played at the party kind of resembled the uh, sketch and that police should look into them. Mm -hmm. So Big Mike encouraged them to go talk to those guys and get some sort of information or tips from them. So the FBI contacted them and they all had great alibis. Uh, they were confirmed to not be people of interest and they checked out. So police were like, great. Right when we thought we were onto something, we're not. So even after this tip, Big Mike gave um, everyone, including Chelsea's family and the police, um, they were not convinced. They were like, Mike, you, you know more. You're involved in some way, somehow. Like, I know you know more. The family kept telling Big Mike that. So they brought Big Mike officially into questioning. And they asked him for consent while they were questioning him to search his house. Mm -hmm. And Mike said, nope, not going to happen. You're not going in my house. So they did not respect his wish, and they all showed up with the SWAT team in a search warrant, and, well, he let them in because they had to. He had to. So they searched his home up and down. They looked in all of the rooms, all of the closets. They even looked in the fire pits that were around the house, and not a single clue. They came up with, like, absolutely nothing. However, this did not get big mike off the hook they still considered him a main person of interest for this case mm -hmm. so shortly after leaving big mike's home detective pridemore got another tip called into the police station another tip got called about a guy named harlan bird the tip said that he might have information about chelsea or where to find her so they brought him in immediately for an interview with detective pridemore mm -hmm. harlan said that he did go to the party that night with his best friend he said it was fun they sang they drank they had a great time he told detective that he witnessed two men harassing a woman in the parking lot area he said that they were shoving her around and like assaulting her hitting her over the head just Jeez. beating her up he said that she was yelling and she was crying for help and like she was on the ground. So mm -hmm. Harlan said that he did not like what he was seeing, so he intervened. He said that the woman was 100% Chelsea and that he ran over to her, helped her off the ground, and the men like left. They had left for a while. So once he saw that they left, she was on the ground. He ran over to her. He's like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, let me help you. Wait, so I have a question. Sorry. Harlan, how did he, did he just insert himself into this? he called about he called the lead in okay so harlan is saying like oh my god mm -hmm. like are you okay let me help you so detectives asked harlan to describe chelsea just to make sure that he had the right girl and he described her to a t according to detectives 
He said he even got a little bit of her blood on his shirt because she had put her face on his shoulder and she was bleeding because she was bleeding from the men beating her up. Well, so, and from hitting her nose earlier. Well, she wasn't bleeding at this point. I mean, it wasn't that bad of a nosebleed. Oh. Like, she just hit... I don't even know if she had a nosebleed. When she hit her nose, it was just like a... Blonk. Like, oh, she was fine. I thought she cut it. Okay. No, but he's saying these guys were, like, beating her up, so that's where he got the blood on that him. That is so. so wild. Out of 800 people, no one was like, hey, stop, and then it didn't, like, start other fights. Right. I don't believe it. So, Harlan continued, and he said that he was very nervous that someone was going to come back, so he had her sit in a red four-door car that was just in the parking lot, just open. Like, the doors were open. So he also said that he was going to go into the party and help some uh, find somebody that knew her. And he was going to go up to them and be like, hey, your friend Chelsea's hurt. We need to help her, like, come with me. So he said he told Chelsea, look, you stay here. Relax. I'm going to go find somebody. I'll be right back. So going back to the random-ass car he stuck her in, he confirmed he did not know he who the car belonged to, okay? It was just open, and it was there, and he stuck her in there. And he went back to the party to find someone, but he couldn't find anybody that knew Chelsea. Okay. Don't like Harlan. Nervous and worried about Chelsea, he decided to ditch the party and go back to the spot where Chelsea was. When he got there, his worst nightmare, he said, came true. She was gone. The car was gone. Everything was gone. And he was like, no, 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 no. This can't be. Like, where did she go? So the detectives are like, hmm, wow, Okay. So they went back to the blood that he mentioned he had gotten on his shirt, like, from her putting her head on him. And they were like, so where's the shirt now? Like, do you still have it? And he said, no, but I think my girlfriend probably already washed it. And then Harlan said, wait, so if, if if it's been washed, can you still get the blood evidence from it? And they were like, no, absolutely not. So he denied doing any harm to her at all. The detectives were stern with him. They said, did you harm that girl? Did you take the girl? Tell us the truth. And he was like, no, 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 of course not. I promise you I did not. So detectives continued to talk to him and pounded him with questions. They were starting to catch on to something. Notice that like his stories weren't making much sense. They were inconsistent. And he was just kind of talking in circles. And then the big confession came. (gasps) They asked. I'm going to need you to tell us the truth. Some things are just not adding up. Did you actually even see Chelsea at all? He's going to be like, no. And he admitted to him that he made the whole story up to make himself look like a hero. What a fucking idiot. So they were like, are you fucking kidding me, baby? <laughs> but like, they arrested him. So I'm like, you wanted to be a hero and then you just got yourself arrested. Yeah, because look at all of the time he wasted, wasted. and he lied to them. Yeah, and the detective was like, we cannot waste time anymore. We have a missing person, okay? How many... uh, Sorry, I'm asking So this is a week after her disappearance. I hate this So a week after her disappearance, there was like a huge prayer vigil with her family still clinging on to hope. The mother even said, like, it's not hope, it's reality. Like, she is coming home. I'm going to have her come home. (sighs) So, like, her, they said that her mom in the media was, like, convinced that her daughter was still alive. So, they started putting up flyers, posters, and purple ribbons, which purple was her favorite color. And people were, like, putting it on their doorsteps. People were making wreaths with purple ribbons. They were wearing it in their hair. It was all over town. So, let's fast forward to the end of the year. So, like, two months, there's still no sign of Chelsea. Okay? Suddenly. And it's snowing now, right? In Michigan, does it snow there? I've never I been. Don't know. I think it sounds like a snowy state. It does. So, a woman from Toledo contacted police and said that her ex boyfriend had confessed to her that he had killed Chelsea. Where's Toledo? Somewhere in California? No, Toledo in Michigan. Oh. Her name was uh, Cheryl, and detectives brought her in right away. The detectives, were, the detectives were hopeful because it had been so long without any leads. So, she told detectives that detectives that her ex told her that he was at the party and he actually left with Chelsea. She said something happened and he ended up killing her and dumping her body in a cemetery. She also said that he had threatened to kill her too if she told anybody which is why it took her so long to come forward with this information and detectives said that she was shaking. She was terrified. Oh my God. So the detective said that she was very, very scared of her ex and was insistent that he be arrested. She was like, 
he was like, whoa, she's terrified of her ex. She kept saying, like, if you bring him in for questioning, you have to arrest him right after because I, he's going to come for me. He's, I'm the only person he told. So she was so worried about him being released, which is understandable. So they interview the guy, the ex-boyfriend, and without without detectives even saying that it was, like, Cheryl that told him this, he, like, knew. And he was like, we've had problems for quite a while. Like, I have no doubt that this is her plot against me because she's so mad at me right now. And they were like, oh, shit, like, bring her back in. So let's talk to both of them. So they brought her back in, and she had, like, her head down and she was like nervous and they just kept pounding her with questions and under the pressure she cracked she said that she admitted she was lying to get back to her ex oh my god she said i'm so sorry i was lying i just wanted to get back at my ex and see him punished for good and they were like so did he do it and she said no i made the whole thing up so they're like oh my god so the second person has lied to us about this I feel st- how unfair to Chelsea's life. Right. And like, his parents are like, oh my God, we have a lead. We have who it might be. Boop, nothing. So, back, so Carrie or Cheryl gets arrested just like Harlan. So, finally, later, and this is now in March of 2015, a woman um, called into police and said that she found something on the edge of. Oh, I'm so sorry. The other lady's name was Carrie. This lady's name is Cheryl. Okay. So, okay. Carrie was the ex girlfriend. Okay. Who okay. This girl's name is Cheryl. So Cheryl called into police and said that she had found something on the edge of her property that brought up some concern. So to reference, her party was 2.3 miles away from Big Mike's. Okay, and you said at one point he was walking two miles. Yep. So. so Cheryl said that she was cleaning up some winter debris off the side of the road along the tree line of her property. Okay. She ended up finding a red flat leather Mary Jane type shoe from American Eagle which was the same ones that Chelsea was wearing. She said initially she just threw it in the trash bag and put all the other trash in it, but then she remembered, and Chelsea was still on the news at this point, right? She started to, like, kind of raise some concerns. So she went home, and she waited for her husband to get back from work. When he walked in, he was like, hey, what did you find this year? Because they laughed because it was always, like, fun to see, like, what all she had found. Uh And he was interested to see, like, what all she found. So she sat him down, and she was like, look... Remember the girl that went missing around Halloween last year? Well, in the description of what she was wearing, I found the shoe that resembled the shoe that she was last seen wearing. And her husband was like, show it to me. She showed it to him and he saw the picture, looked at him back and he was like, we need to contact police right now. And you know, like when you take Halloween pictures, like before you go out, you take it of your whole outfit, right? You get like a full like yeah. 360 view too. Like, so I'm sure that the picture, like there were pictures of her wearing all of it. Right. So they ended up calling the police and they immediately came to get the shoe. So the next day, the detective sent a photo to Chelsea's mom and was like, does this shoe look familiar? And Chelsea's mom responded and said, that is definitely her shoe. She was positive. So they searched all around the area where the shoe was found, and they found nothing else relating to Chelsea. So now they're like, what the fuck? So we just have a dang shoe? But it's a start. So they knew that this also meant that the chances of them finding Chelsea in good condition were very slim, right? Unless she was running and a shoe fell off. But they weren't thinking that, right? So... A little while later, a guy named Eric and his friend were out trying to make some money. They were stealing and, like, selling uh, pieces of scrap metal from an abandoned... I said stealing, but they're just taking, like, old scrap metal from this random abandoned building. Okay. Um, And people will buy, like, random scrap metal, right? So they're taking this and they're um, selling it. So the abandoned building was 10 miles from the party location, okay? Okay, that's far. So while they were at this abandoned building, Eric Eric found something very weird. So he initially thought it was just a plant in the corner of the building. Which, how would it be growing there? Right. But when he looked, or like a vine. I mean, vines can grow anywhere. But when he looked closer, he realized that it was a costume. And it was the costume that Chelsea was wearing. Next to the costume was the (gasps) plum wig that she was wearing. Oh, I thought you were going to say her. No. Next to the costume was the plum wig. So it was the same one that Chelsea was wearing that night. So thing is, Eric and his friend just thought it was a random costume because they weren't fully, like, engulfed in this mystery. Like, it's on the news, but they weren't, like, out searching for it, right? And it had been quite some time. They weren't really, you know, like, on the hunt for it. So they just kind of left it where it was. And he said he picked it up and was like, oh, 
this is interesting. Like, what's this doing here? And he just kind of threw it back down. Yeah. So then a week later, Eric saw the missing missing persons poster with Chelsea blasted all over it, wearing the same costume like that he had found. And he was like, oh, fuck. Like, that looks exactly like what I found. But then he said he started to panic because he had touched it. Oh, my God. He was like, shit, my fingerprints are on that costume. Like, what should I do? So he was like, immediately he called his sister and was like, yo, help me, sis. Like, I'm scared. (laughs) And she was like, listen, if you don't report it, I'm calling him. Yeah. And he was like, so Eric, immediately he called the police and he told them what he had come across. Detectives jumped on this lead immediately. Mm-hmm. So when they got to the costume, they saw that it had been ripped at the straps and at the crotch. Because remember, it was a leotard. So it was sent to the state crime lab while police and investigators searched the building and surrounding areas all day and night. They also brought Eric into the station to interview because his worries were valid. Right. They were concerned, like, Why did you wait a week? You know, you have this alibi, like bullshit, you know? So he told detectives that he didn't even go to the party. It was confirmed that he was not at the party at all. So he was correct about that. However, he admitted that his baby, his baby's mama, his baby mama lived, baby's mother is weird to say, his baby mama lived Uh on the same road that Chelsea's costume was found on. So Mm -hmm. he was like, I'm just telling you this. Because I don't want you to your you guys to find connections and think that I'm like holding out things on you. Yeah. So he said that night that Chelsea went missing, he was at home with his daughter, but he would be more than happy to give his DNA sample. So Eric gave his DNA and mm-hmm. things were looking fine for Eric at this point. They didn't really think that he was someone to be really worried well, I mean, about. He would want to willingly give that anyway, since he did touch it. They right. were well, yeah. Right. So they weren't really worried about him, but then something weird happened, okay? This abandoned building where this costume and wig were found was less than 100 yards from Harlan's house. Remember Harlan? Ugh. The one that said he made it yes. up? Yes. The, the one that worst said, story ever. Yeah, the one that said that he was just saving her to be a hero. Yeah, that's Harlan. So he actually lived in a mobile home directly across the street from this building. So the detectives were like, huh. Maybe there is some truth behind his lies. Was it a cover? Let's get him back in here. So they called him back, but this time Eric came in with an attorney. Eric? Yeah. I'm sorry, Harlan. Harlan came in with an attorney. So once they started questioning questioning him, he denied everything. Um, He admitted that he had been to the abandoned building before, yes, but someone must be trying to frame him. He told him that he never saw Chelsea that night at the party, and he reiterated to them, like, I made every single thing up that I told you. I'm telling you I made it up. I should have never done that. I am not your guy. You should not be worried about me. Um, He was super nervous, but he agreed to take a polygraph and give a DNA uh, sample. The results came in. Eric passed the polygraph, and next he gave his DNA for them to have on file. Harlan, I'm so sorry. Yes, Harlan. The results came in and Harlan passed the polygraph and gave his DNA, okay? Okay. So on April 24th, 2015, about seven miles from the uh, party at Big Mike's house, a man named John was driving his dump truck into a construction site because he needed something um, for his property, okay? Mm -hmm. This construction site was like on his property because he was building a home for his family, On the construction site, the soil was super wet, it was muddy, so as he was driving, his truck got stuck. Okay. So he said he got out, and he went back to the truck just to see what was, like, going on back there, and he said, I noticed something on the edge of the property, and it looked like a dead body. He was actually on the phone with his wife when he saw it, and he was like, whoa, I gotta call you back, and, like, hung up on her. So detectives, the crime lab, and investigators swarmed to the scene because he called them in. He called it in immediately. So he did go up and and uh, confirm it was a body. Body, yes. So when they got there, the body was skeletal for the most mm-hmm. part because it had been about six months. However, there was some skin remaining on the chest, hands, and legs, and there was also still long blonde hair attached to the skull. There were small logs and branches deliberately partially covering up her body. But what really made it seem like Chelsea was, um, what really made them know it was Chelsea was there was all sorts of like ivy leaves, like fake ones surrounding her from her costume. So detectives immediately informed the family that they had found a body because they didn't want the media who was showing up shortly after to be the way that they found out. So they basically called Chelsea's mom. It was like, 
We don't know if it's Chelsea, but we want you to know we do have a body. So the following day, they flew helicopters and brought the canine unit to help search all over the area for more details. A forensic, I put anthropologist, I don't think that's what it is, but the person that, oh, for teeth? Bones. Bones. Okay, perfect. A forensic anthropologist came in to do testing on Chelsea's teeth and dental records confirmed that the body that was found was indeed 22-year-old Chelsea Brooke. So now they know that there's a killer on the loose. Not just a missing persons case, there's a killer. Luckily, they were able to snag some male DNA off the leotard, okay? So they took this DNA and they entered it into their system, but no hit was happening. They decided- this was the leotard they found in the warehouse because she didn't have her right. mm-hmm. tights or anything. Yeah, they were bringing all of this into the... Because to me, that's like the struggle happened there. That's when the leaves fell off. They and took the... And, and chunked it somewhere. It. Yep. So they decided to compare the DNA to Eric and Harlan's DNA samples that they mm-hmm. had, but it was not a match. So it cleared them both. Harlan? Harlan too. What the fuck? And I've like heard this story and I was like, right. oh, it's Harlan. I know it's him. It's going right. to come back to him. It's him. So not Harlan, not Eric. So they're like, what the fuck? Oh my God. So now they're literally back to like, what does it say? Ground zero? Wait, they're not going back to the boyfriend Cheryl's boyfriend. No, no. Okay. So this or is Cassie when, or whatever. This is when detectives went back to all the people they had talked to at the party before and they collected DNA from whoever they could because they were like, we just have to have some sort of DNA. So they were just, hey, will you give your DNA? Great. Like just random people at the party, right? How do they know a list? All of- the people that came through to give them leads, they were calling them back in. Okay. So they get those DNAs, no match, but they really wanted DNA from Big Mike. However, he refused and told them that he did not want his DNA in some database because he was not a criminal, which I get. It makes him look like it just makes him look guilty. Right. So he said he wanted to move on from the whole thing and stop being accused of everything. Now, a month later, it took a while for the autopsy report to come out. And they told everybody that they were like not going to have any information about her cause of death for like a month. Okay, so a month later, they have the cause of death for Chelsea. It was believed that she died from blunt force trauma to the face and the head. They said there were severe facial injuries sustained everywhere on her skull, like crushed. When she was discovered, the detective said that they could immediately see a huge break in her jaw. She had severe fractures to her jaw, nose, eye sockets, and she had many broken teeth. They said it was clear that she received a very brutal beating leading to her death. Could they tell if it was from, like, fists or... No, they, it, the body was too uh, decomposed. Oh, yeah, I guess usually they tell that from, like, skin and skin, lacerations yep, and, and stuff. bruises and stuff. Okay, well, that one guy said... Oh, well, he made that up. So, the detectives kept this a secret, though. They did not release this to the public. Mm-hmm. So, Ch- uh, Chelsea's family actually had, like, a private funeral for their child. Mm-hmm. Then in September, the man who found Chelsea's body initially, John, called the sheriff's office again... He said he was excavating his property because, remember, he's building a house on there and he found the other missing red shoe that matched the one that they already had. Uh-huh. So detectives went out to collect it and also started moving dirt around and searching for more in that area. They found the green tights that belonged to Chelsea. Okay. So that was, I guess, the only thing that was missing. So in June 2016, police released images to the media of a white man with a mustache from the Halloween party that was now a suspect. So this how? is two years later. A year and a half, yeah. Or a year and a how, half. How did they even get this man? So look, so they received a tip early on in the investigation about a guy who showed up at a house, a random house at 3 a.m. on the road where Chelsea's first shoe was found. It was reported that he was ba- uh, drunk and pounding on this random dude's door at 3 a.m. saying like, please let me in. I was just at this big Halloween party. I need a place to crash. Can I crash here? And this guy's like, fuck no, get the hell out of here, weirdo. So the man said that this guy ended up falling asleep on his porch for a little while and then just like peaced out. So he left a vest behind and in the vest was a pocket knife and some rope. But the Uh, guy showed back up the next morning wanting his vest and the homeowner just like gave it to him and he left. So looking back through videos that people had taken on their phones or whatever, they were able to find footage of this dude at the Halloween party. And they were like, we need to find this guy ASAP. Was the rope part of his costume? I don't know. 
Okay. So they release photos of this guy to the public, and the guy, um, okay, so this is really weird, okay? Was the mustache real? Yes. Okay. So they release photos of this guy to the public, and they're like, have you seen this guy? This is our main suspect. So everybody around town was talking about it. <laughs> this is really weird. The guy that they had pictures of actually showed up to the station was like, hey, I'm the guy in the photo that y'all just released. So, okay, so he's a fucking moron. And he looked like the original sketch that so that they had compiled. Yeah, because they had pictures of him. Yeah. So he told police that he was super drunk at the party, but he didn't remember anything. So this he's like not helping them at all. They got his DNA and they scheduled a polygraph. On the day the polygraph test was supposed to happen, Crime Lab came back and said, Hey, we got the DNA that matches a male DNA found on Chelsea's ripped leotard. Like they have a match to They someone. have a match, so it's not this guy now. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's not this guy. It's not this guy. I don't ever remember the mustache man in the Right, so it's story. not this guy that people that they thought it was, right? So DNA belonged to none of the men that they had spoken to this entire investigation, including Big Mike, Eric, Harlan, this random guy that just came in. It didn't Wait, match with any they of them. gave, they, they got Big Mike's? Well, it, cause, well, now that it matched this guy, it's obviously not a match for Big Mike, right? Because they have a match now. It's not Big Mike's match. Cause oh, because he didn't, okay, right. okay, okay, okay. So it matched someone that they had recently arrested for a separate charge. So the DNA they found on the bloody and ripped leotard belonged to a guy named Daniel Clay. Ew. 27-year-old Daniel Clay is a completely just random dude that didn't even have a permanent address. Just kind of floated around town. Couch. Oh, I put crowd surfing. Couch. (laughs) Couch surfing and just being a complete useless little. He was from Monroe County and at the time he was currently living there. Okay. Clay was un or Daniel Clay was unemployed and he was just mooching off everybody around him. He's a gypsy. He had been arrested nine times in the past ten years on things like breaking and entering, marijuana possession, retail fraud, assault, resisting arrest, and larceny. Wait, what's larceny again? I don't know. Is that putting things on fire? No, that's arson. <laughs> Is larceny like when you tr- trespass? I don't know. So, oh, that is it. I think so. People are going to be like, that ain't it. In May of 2016, he had been arrested for stealing a backpack full of tattoo equipment from someone and was charged with larceny. Oh, is it stealing? (laughs) Oh, maybe it's stealing on... uh, I don't know. So this exact scenario is how DNA ended up in the system. So obviously he came in, they got his DNA. So a month before though all of a sudden he got arrested thankfully though because if he didn't get arrested they said he would have never matched his dna to it right out of those 800 people no and if he's like almost said crowd surfing couch surfing but he probably doesn't even like watch the news or like even right crazy enough though there was a law that said that right before this said that dna was only to be collected from convicted felons but then it changed right before his arrest to include anyone simply arrested mm-hmm. for a felony. I remember when that happened. So thank God it happened. So Clay was, Daniel was homeless and he had two warrants out for him for unpaid uh, child support totaling over $21,000. Oh. So when they went to arrest him, they had planned to just arrest him on the warrants and not initially mention the murder. So due to some tips and leads, they knew that he was in a mobile home that he was staying in and it belonged to his new girlfriend, okay? Kelly. Okay. So the police banged on the door for a while and nobody was answering. They're like, hmm, where could this fucker be? And then he went tearing out the back of the mobile home and was like running, okay? There's back doors to mobile homes? Or a trailer. I think it was like a trailer. I don't know. I've never lived in one, though. I don't know how the design looks. (laughs) So he was taken down by police who were like, waiting for him like there was a lot of people surrounding it it wasn't just one yeah so his girlfriend was actually like showering at home at the time and he like barged into the bathroom he was like oh no i'm sorry his girlfriend's friend was Uh. showering at um at home at the time and she said he like barged in and was like i'm going to prison i'm not answering that door like what do i do and she's like butt naked like i don't know what the fuck is happening she's like get away from me weirdo so kelly richter his girlfriend arrived home later and gave police permission to search the home kelly was very cooperative with police and answered and did everything they asked of her However, she did tell police that she had no idea that he did this and she would never expect it from him. 
Hmm. Uh, they decided to search the home to see if they could find any evidence or anything belonging to Chelsea, and police found her undergarments, jewelry, and some of her personal items in that home. So, like, rings. So um, he's traveling with that. Right. That. So kind of like trophies so they interview him and they start asking him questions about the halloween party he denied knowing chelsea weirdly enough though he also made sure to tell detectives that he was a lover of women and he was like a real ladies man and he said in interrogation he's like look i just love to smoke weed and have sex Ew, he's probably terrible at both can you be bad at smoking weed? <laughs> I mean, he So after is. a while into the questioning, they revealed the DNA thing. They were like, look, we got some DNA from Chelsea and it matches your DNA. Like, can you talk about this? He's like, you know what? Now to think about it, I did have sex with Chelsea. Oh my God. But she wanted to. It was consensual. Stop. So Daniel had assumed that the DNA though that they, that they found was semen and it wasn't. It was just skin. So he was like, Ew, so he again, yeah. So immediately he was like, "Yep, we had sex. I know you found semen. It's mine, but it wasn't. It wasn't." So they were like, "Huh, okay." So they told them that it was actually skin cell DNA Damn. that they found in the costume that had been violently torn from the straps and in the crotch. But that was a year later that they found that, right? I or, know, or uh, six months. And the skin was still on there. That's wild. So in efforts to get Clay talking to detectives pride more lied and he came up with this brilliant idea so he said hey like i know you don't probably know this because we didn't know this but chelsea's mom told us that chelsea had this weird condition called brittle bone disease i remember this part of the and case. suddenly daniel was like oh that makes sense that makes sense then then his story changed to say that he saw chelsea walking down the road after the party he pulled over and was like, hey, do you need a ride? So she got in, and then after about 20 minutes of talking, the two decided to have sex. But he said that Chelsea wanted him to be real rough and, like, hit and strangle her. Clay said he choked her. She went limp. But it must have been that damn brittle bone disease because then she died. Okay, wait. So they didn't even bring up the fact that she had had, like, that her jaw was broken or anything? Mm-mm. They just said something about They're going to get to that. They're just trying to get him to talk. And he's so just he just a word vomit. He just yeah. volunteered that. So then they were like, well, then what happened next? He said, well, I attempted CPR and I just hit her on the chest and I was just hitting her to try to save her. So that's like where the blunts come from, right? I was just hitting her trying to save her. And then he said he freaked out and he put her in the back of the car and he said that he didn't know what to do. So he was just driving around and he eventually got to the area where she was found, and he hid her under branches and such. Clay said he had no idea how her costume ended up in the abandoned shack 10 miles away. Okay. He even sobbed on the stand in his like trial. He was like, I've never been in this situation before. I didn't know what to do. Well, not many people have. <laughs> so, unfortunately, though, like till this day, he's never admitted to the real story. Um, so now it's just going to have to be like what they put together. So, And he has created other humans. Yes. So to this day, he says that it was consensual sex. No. She wanted it rough. No. He accidentally choked her. And that was it. So he was arrested and Daniel Clay, Clay pled not guilty because his story was that it was accidental. He said he choked her, like I said, for 20 to 30 seconds and she passed shortly after. No. But the forensic investigator was like, mm, that's not how it works, buddy boy. She said that there was not enough left of Chelsea to determine whether she was ex- ex- asphyxiated or not because of the ad- advanced state of decomp that was like taken Yeah, but over it her takes body. longer than 30 seconds. You can hold your breath for 30 right. seconds. But she said, quote, killing someone via strangulation is not a 10, 20, or even 30 second press. She said, in order for death to occur, constant pressure has to be applied to the person's neck for 20 to 30 seconds for them to initially even lose consciousness. Then, after they knock out, constant pressure needs to be maintained on the neck of this unconscious person for another two to three minutes, at least, for death to happen. I thought it was way longer than that. I thought it was like two minutes. But I think it's if you're just like, just holding your breath. So, some more details that uh, Daniel's ex-girlfriend and current girlfriend gave to prosecutors that... Oh, okay. Kelly. 
was that the day after Daniel was arrested, he made phone calls to his child's mother and left her two voicemails. He said things like, I'm extremely sorry. I fucked up so bad. I'm going to be gone for a really, really, really long time. Tell my son I love him. And then he also called Kelly, his current girlfriend, and left her voicemails and calls at the same time. And they played them in the court. He was like, oh, shit. This was after the murder? Yeah, this is in trial. No, I know. He called them the day after the arrest. Because he knew. He knew. So... Daniel Clay also claimed that she removed the poison ivy costume herself. Again, like I said many times, it was torn on the straps at the top and on the crotch. She would not have been able to tear this. And the prosecutors also said she would have never torn her costume up. Like, if y'all were going to have sex, she was very proud of this costume. She wouldn't just like, oh, I'm going to rip it off. Yeah. Like, she would have just taken it off and, you know, hopped on the dig or whatever. <laughs> but, like, that's obviously not what happened. So, Did they find semen on any part of the... They didn't find semen. Com- that sucks because he's, like, saying that they consensually had sex. And the fact that... And they had no they doubt that that happened because he said it right off the bat. And they can't tell if she was raped. Right. But they assume. They assume. He said it was sex. They're like, it's rape. So here's another crazy part. So, like I said, he said that she took the um, poison ivy costume off herself, right? Yeah. They didn't... He didn't know that they had the costume at the trial. So the prosecutor comes and says, oh, so if that's your story, explain this. And he turned the leotard inside out and it's covered in dried blood on the inside of it. Okay. Covered. Which means that not only did she receive much greater injury than choking, but she was like beat the, like he beat the shit out of her and she was bleeding all over the place. And then she ripped it off. And wearing the costume. She didn't take it off before. She was That's wearing it. That's what I'm it. saying. Right. So, like, he's claiming, like, oh, she's bleeding. And then she's, like, passionately she ripping it off. off. Like, no, no. He was beating her while yeah. she had the costume still on. Which explains he was trying to rape her, which is why the crotch was ripped open and the tops to get it off of her. Um, so they were like, well, where did the blood come from in this case? So, and he was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't oh, know. My- That's so crazy. What? So... This is kind of a sad part of the case. So during this whole ordeal, Chelsea's sexual history was laid out and picked apart for everyone to see in court. So the defense was like, well, we need to see if maybe she does like rough sex. So the defense tried to pull pull this, but the judge put a stop to it. He was like, absolutely not. Like, we're not doing that. Her friends and family were asked about her sexual preferences in court and the sad thing is, is like her family, like her mom and everybody was sitting there having to listen to everything that she probably didn't tell her mom, but her friends were like, look, I've, you know, I'm going to say it. So Becky responded and told them that she was not aware that Chelsea was into rough sex. Um, but she was like, but we didn't really talk about stuff like that. Okay. So like, I don't know if she was into it, but I, she never talked about it. So then the defense tried to ask about her sexual partners, like how many she had, who were they? And the judge was like, nope, that's it. Like, we're done with this. This has no, this is not moving the case in any way. And he said, quote, a fair examination of the facts of the evidence proves the defendant murdered Chelsea, not by some erotic asphyxiation, by multiple blunt force traumas to her face was what did it. But, like, the thing is, like, they can't just go off of what someone says. Right. And he also said there are three reasons to show that this was not an accident. One, the torn straps and torn crotch area of her costumes covered in blood. Blunt force trauma to the face. And, like I said, the blood. Three, blood everywhere. Right? Yeah. So, then Daniel actually took the stand on his own defense and stuck with his story still. (laughs) And he said, I didn't mean to kill her. It was an accident. Like, what was me? And he was, like, crying. He was like, I did not do this. So, Chelsea's mother, during the victim impact statements, like, at the end of the trial, Mm -hmm. sat there. And she was only one table away from Daniel Clay. Like, she could reach her arm out and just... (laughs) But she didn't. So... This is crazy. So she looked at him and she said, Today, with the strength from Jesus Christ, I forgive you, Daniel Clay. I do not want my Lord to ask me why I cannot offer forgiveness to you. And then she handed him a Bible and she said something like, I hope that this can help you and save you. And Daniel took the Bible and said, quote, I thank you for the Bible. I will keep it as long as I am able to. I'm so sorry for everything. 
So on May 16th, 20, <laughs> on so May 16th, things. 2017, so what, three, three years, almost three years after the murder, the jury found him not guilty. What? Hold on. Not guilty of first degree murder, but don't shit yourself yet. There was a second charge for killing Chelsea while sexually assaulting her, which was felony murder. So they found him guilty of that. So it's a, I just threw that in there to scare you. <laughs> So I have they, goose pimples now. So they found him guilty of felony murder. Is that they, worse? Yes. Okay, I thought it and was. And they also found him guilty of concealing a dead body. The judge oh. said to Daniel Clay, quote, I have spent 10 days in trial with Mr. Clay, and I listened to countless hours of him changing his story every time the detectives questioned him or brought up something new. It was very clear to me, Mr. Clay, you're a liar, you're a rapist, and you're a killer. So fucking idiot. So Daniel was sentenced to life in prison without parole. I need to see his picture right now. He actually appealed it, though, in January of 2019, but the sentence was upheld. They were like, yeah, no, go back to your cell, buddy boy. So it's also, not even two years later. This is crazy. You want to hear a funny part? After his trial, they handcuffed him. He had to go to another court because he was found to have sexually assaulted another woman before Chelsea. So he was tried and convicted of that, too. So he literally left Chelsea's courtroom and went to another court. <laughs> right then? Right then. R- right after. After he was sentenced? Yes. And then they had to go do his other his other one. Crazy. So the detectives both said, quote, if, if we didn't get his DNA, we have no... Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. If we didn't get his DNA, we have no doubt that he would have continued to do these oh, things yeah. to um, other women. And he would have murdered Dom. Right, murdered. Like, they were like, this guy could have potentially been a serial killer. Oh, I'm The way that he showed no remorse, he did not care, and he just... Well, he did show remorse. He was saying he was sorry, and not saying it was sincere, but... Right, that's, I think that's what they meant. Like, he, I guess, wasn't, what's the word? I, they were just... Genuine. Right, genuine. I think they were just, they were fearful, like, this dude, literally... And also, what did he have to lose? I mean, he wasn't paying child support... Well, I'm like, I know, I don't want to be like judgment. I mean, I am judgmental. I'm not going to lie. But the fact that he was at his girlfriend's home and her friend was there. Yeah. Showering. It kind of reminds me of like, I mean, I think that they, cause there was like a lot of like, I think, I don't think, I don't know what kind of people these were, but it sounds like they kind of just were like, j- like just kind of all over the place. Like he had baby mamas. He had like. Well, I know, but like. She's like out working. Yeah, in the friend her was deadbeat there. boyfriends at her house with her friend, friend and she's in the shower. Right. It's just weird. And I also want to say, like, in case anybody took offense to me saying like I've never been in a trailer, I didn't mean that. Like I, I've never been in one, so I don't know what the layout well, like, looks like. A lot of people in the country just live in one. Right. No, I think they would be cool, like an RV or trailer. I've just never been in one, so I don't know. But it says that he ran out the back. It does kind of sound weird that there would be a back door, but I have seen in some, like, like mobile homes. The only reason I said that is because I was watching Bones the other day, and there's an episode where this guy's in a trailer. Yeah. And one of the characters is like, who's going out the back door? And then the other character's like, there's no back door in trailers, and there wasn't. Oh, I don't know. This one had a back door. (laughs) (laughs) This one had a back door, and he ran out of it, and they caught his ass. But yeah, that's the... I'll, and I'm going to upload all of the photos so you I've can see... I've got to see Big Mike. I've got to see Daniel Clay. So you can see her costume and all the people that were involved. But thank you so much, guys, for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. And for our 40th episode, don't say what it is. We have a really interesting kind of different case. Yeah, it's kind of spooky, kind of just like... It's different, but it's definitely entertaining. So... We will see you, and we'll be able to record that on Tuesday. So that'll be uploaded on Tuesday. So wait, you mean Monday? Tuesday. Will we record on Monday? Upload on Tuesday. They will hear it on Tuesday. Are we recording it on Monday? Yes. You'll be here. I'm here. Thanks, guys. Sorry, Cody's mad at me. Bye. <laughs>